and welcome to Stories of Scotland. Swinging my arms and legs rapidly in the middle of a gay Gordon's, it's Jenny. And stripping the willow, it's Annie. Put the clothes back on that tree. We're going to take an interlude from our Highland history and explore some fascinating stories of the south of this marvellous country. But first, we wanted to end the season on a high, and so that's why we're having a wee Kaylee episode. It's a Highland fling! So the Kaylee hasn't always been the town hall country band swirling social dances that we know them as nowadays. The word Kaylee is of course Gaelic, and it just means to visit. Uh, to get together. And originally, a Kaylee was just this kind of social visit between neighbours, between folks of the settlement. It was where folk would gossip and catch up with local happenings. They'd bring something to drink and pass around, or maybe something to keep the fire roaring in the Kaylee house. As the night progressed, storytelling and ballad singing would no doubt begin. And it's between the walls of the Cayley House that oral traditions were passed, creating a chain through time, each retelling a new link. It feels like our podcast is just always circling back to traditional storytelling. Well, I mean, it is in the name, Annie. We are Stories (laughs) of Scotland. We can't not cover the storytellers of Scotland. (laughs) Which is why I have been saying for a while now that we should start a spin-off show with the name Peatbogs of Scotland so we can delve into our naturally squelchy habitat. Mm, I feel like you have an excellent spin-off show there, Jenny. I've definitely accidentally delved knee-deep into one too many Peatbogs in my time. However, to get us into the spinning spirit of the old-fashioned Kaylee, I found a lovely way for us to begin. Is it this extract from the Northern Chronicle for the North of Scotland published in 1908? Yes, Jenny. How did you know? Scripting! <laughs> <laughs> this is an article written by Marion Reisebilder, which I believe to be a pseudonym because Reisebilder directly translates to travel photographs in German. But we do know that Marion travel photographs was a native Gaelic speaker, Um, partly because I've seen her unusual name pop up in a review of the mod, which is the big Gaelic event of the year. So let's have a listen to what Marion Travel Photographs has to say about Kayleys. Why travel photographs? (laughs) Why Why pick that as a pseudonym? (laughs) There's a German book of travel photographs that she may have read. Okay, so so it was a coffee table. It's like picking a password. You know, you just look at the two things on your table and make a and make a password out of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Here we go, Marion. Travel photos. <clears throat> As my eyes mechanically trace the letters of the word Kaylee in the yellowish red embers of the peat fire, my mind went swiftly back to the days that were, and never shall be again. Suddenly, I feel as if the weight of many years has fallen from my head, and the bitterness of many sorrows had passed from my heart, and I was a child again, in the old home beside the western sea loch. It was night, a clear, cold, starlit night. It was neither wholly calm nor to yet be described as stormy. It was as though the giant mountain which stands as a sentinel o'er our loch, drew the north wind from its quarries and then flung it from its right shoulder. 
This formed sudden blasts which hustled through the air and smoked the house with a noise resembling that of weapon practice. The good man of the house sat with a huge coil of heather rope which his skilful hands had fastened out of the purpling heather. He prepared this in anticipation of damage done by the storms that so often stripped the thatch from his roof. The good wife was sat at her spinning wheel, but she would rise and clean the mess made by the heather weaver. She replenished the peat fire and swept the hearth, and would order me to decorate the hearthstone with fantastic chalk drawings. I love that instead of putting a child's drawing on the fridge, we are getting the child to make chalk drawings on their hearthstone on the fireplace. I find that very charming. It's good as well, because if it's rubbish, you can just wipe it out and be like, oh no, it's gone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what my mother would have done for that. (laughs) She would light a homemade candle and place it on a brass candlestick on her handsome dresser. Footsteps were now approaching the house, and along came the Cayley folk, representative of nearly every family in the sparsely populated locality. They entered singly, or in twos and threes, until fully about twenty people were assembled. The crofter came in with the tradesman, the schoolmaster came in with the merchant, from the big house came Mr. Archie and Mr. Allen, the sons of the laird, who, like his ancestors, lived on the most friendly terms with the clansmen and tenants. Frank and unassuming in manner, these two young men were as modest in personality as they were handsome, and their presence at the Cayley added to the pleasure of the others present. Annie, I think our wee Marion has a crush on the laird's son. I mean, she doesn't give anyone else a name, but is giving these airs and graces to the Laird's sons. Oh, we had the finest and highest quality eviction notices of everybody in the Highlands. Oh, Jenny, we can't (laughs) joke about the clearances. Watch me. (laughs) It's difficult to say at what precise moment the business or the Cayley began, for there was no programme. The weather, of course, was discussed, and much weather lore was recited and examined. Annie, I would love if every boring British weather conversation that happens nowadays also was followed up with some cool, intense weather lore. It would make it so much more exciting to discuss the weather with your colleagues. Mm -hmm. Not enough importance is given nowadays to how the habits of geese predict wind flow patterns. If conversation became too general, then a warning cough would be issued from Alistair Ban. He was allocated the seat of honour beneath the Kruisden, which is our Gaelic for a small lamp. Upon his dignified cough, our chatter was reduced to silence. You see, some days previously, Alistair received a weekly newspaper, which he had carefully studied and now brought with him to the Cayley, holding this ancient and battered-looking paper in his hand. He assured us that though Alba enjoyed peace and security, it was not so in the countries beyond Russia, 
I don't understand how the paper that he received just a few days ago is suddenly ancient and battered, because this seems quite contradictory. But I do love that one person has received the newspaper and read it thoroughly in preparation for the village Kaylee. I think this is very endearing. Imagine having the weather delivered via lore and the modern news delivered through Kaylee. It would be so much more fun. Old Angus has the village TikTok and he keeps everyone up to date with all the dances and herself Mary from the dairy has the village Twitter and she just keeps getting in fights with people about traditional cheese making techniques. Oh Mary. Maybe she's churning up some trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get back to Alistair and his newspaper. With bated breath, we listened as he told in rich, idiomatic Gaelic, and with fiery eloquence of battles fought, towns stormed, murders committed, and vessels shipwrecked. The orthography of the places where these dire events occurred must have run into seven or eight syllables according to our mentor's pronunciation. Annie, it's like when I try to say Worcestershire sauce. I can't do it. The English place names just don't make any sense. No, they aren't nice and simple like our Gallic Highland towns. Such as Anne Gerriston or <laughs> Ackleby Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, passing from tales of destruction to those of salvation, Alistair described miraculous cures effected on perfectly hopeless cases by means of a medicine which must, I think, have been the moly of the ancients. Alas, we had no diseases, but being robustly healthy, and no by any means beyond the healing skill of our doctor, we felt that the moly was no for us. So, moly is a magical herb named in the ancient Greek epic, the Odyssey, which is meant to protect you from evil wizardry, Jenny. It sounds like something our teachers used to warn us about in school. But this is Marion talking about her childhood. So it's probably the late 1800s, which do see many medical advancements that would be coming to the UK. So I love the image of an area of rural folks coming together to discuss these advancements that they've seen in the paper. And attributing them to ancient Greek mythology. It's fantastic. Now, <laughs> <laughs> the Kaylee now glided easily and naturally to the singing o' songs in the chorus of which all joined heartily. When the singing was done, a very intelligent discussion ensued regarding the merits of different poets. An impromptu dance naturally followed the singing, which was supplied by Neil Bake on the trump or the mouth harp and by one of the others singing. They would be singing in Porstabiel. This is a traditional Gaelic mouth music. It's absolutely stunningly beautiful. Ye olde beatboxing. <laughs> Perfect time was kept by the dancers. The light, rhythmic footbeat was so clean and so different for the saunchy and scuffling of modern dance. I seem to hear and see it all now. Physically exhausted, the dancers would sit down, and with closed eyes and bent brows, they gave themselves the task of solving riddles. Then followed tales of ghosts, 
fairies' water kelpies, during the recital of which I kept close to Mr Archie, whom all the children adored. It's the laird's son again. Aww. I revelled in the stories which nevertheless made my flesh creep. A chorus of good nights came from all, a hearty kiss for me from Mr Archie, and the Cayley is over. Yes, the Cayley is over, and most of those who composed it have passed through the darkness to the sunlight on the other side, and we who remain are scattered far and wide. And it may be that none of us shall see that lovely western sea loch evermore. The bud come back to summer, and the blossom to the bee. But I'll go back, oh never, to my own country. Oh, there's a sadness in this, isn't there? A loss that, over a hundred years ago, Marion felt that the traditional Cayley was already a thing of the past. But this is our intangible culture, and folk reshape it to fit our needs, which is why we still Kaylee in a different way nowadays. Um, but I do think that we need to look at some of the benefits of this old style of Kaylee, bringing people together regularly as a community to connect with each other. So the Cayley houses could be in a blacksmith's workshop or the local mill, when the workers had finished up for the day that is. But most often they were just ordinary people's homes. There would be one or two houses where folk often gathered, and these became known as the Cayley houses. Places where the door was always open, and there was always someone to hear or tell a tale or two. I found a fantastic story of one such Cayley house that many of the locals were very fond of. It takes place in a village on Mull, and like lots of villages, it had its own local customs. This story tells of a Cayley house custom and what happens when you haven't got the lowdown on the local laws. Oh, do share. On a crisp autumnal night on the Isle of Mull, as the last of the gloaming was fading into starry darkness and the sea was lulling the land to sleep, two strapping young lads were making their way to the local Cayley house. They were good friends. One was a local and the other had come over from Iona, excited for a dram or two with his pal. And what better place to be merry than the Cayley house? They were welcomed by a gently smouldering peat fire and a fair few pats on the back. The last of the card game was wrapping up and the stories were starting to unfold. Now, it was local custom that the storytelling would start with the eldest and then in turn, all those who were at the Cayley gathering had to contribute in some way. A song, a riddle, a half-baked stand-up set or a good old-fashioned story. Any would do. But as the turn of the young visitor came around, he found his mouth dry and his mind empty. He had not one tale to tell. He had sat and listened to the stories of honour, magic, love and sorrow, but he had nothing to give in return. Not even his granny's best scone recipe. Not even the scones, Annie. 
and so the folk in the Cayley house grumbled and mumbled, and a few even got a little heated. When the young lad got so flustered and some men so angry, the house owner stepped in. He was a short man with a small left eye and a face that could crack a walnut. He suggested that the lad take a step outside, go to the buyer, that's a cowshed, and get a piece of turf and stick this piece of turf in the wall outside as there was a draught coming through, rustling his eyebrows. Happy to have an excuse to leave for a minute and gather his thoughts, the lad upped and headed to the buyer. But as he was on his way there, he noticed a boat out at sea that looked to be in some serious trouble. The wind had picked up and the boat was being blown dangerously close to some dark and ominous rocks. And so the young lad ran down to the shore, hopped into a wee rowing boat and began rowing as fast as he could out to the distressed boat. But the wind was too strong for him and his boat too small and despite his best efforts, he was dragged off course. Very off course. For soon, the shores of Mull were dots in the distance. Exhausted from his frantic rowing, he fell asleep. And when he awoke, he wasn't in Mull anymore. He wasn't even in Scotland. His wee boat had been carried all the way to a tiny beach in Ireland. He dragged his boat ashore and wandered up to a house on the hill. He was met by a very surprised old woman who, nevertheless, invited him in, sat him down, gave him some tea and chuckled at his misfortune. Her daughter came home and they were introduced. The two lived alone. The old lady's husband and the girl's father had died not a year ago. He had been a fisherman, but now his boat lay idle gathering sand and hermit crabs on the beach. Our young lad found he quite liked it there. He liked the old lady and he was very fond of her daughter and it turns out that she was fond of him too and what started as a surprise holiday fling turned into a deep and loving relationship. Soon he took up her father's boat and began fishing and within the year she was pregnant. Oh, we babbies. Our lad was happier than he'd ever been. A wee girl was born to the couple and they called her Iona, after her father's distant home. She grew up to be a cheeky toddler and soon had two more siblings to play with. One day, as the summer season was turning and Beltane approached, our happy father set out to go fishing. Only, the wind picked up as he sailed further out. And before he knew it, he was no longer able to sail at all, but was being blown against his will. Blown all the way back to Scotland. By the time he was carried into a bay, it was dark and cold, and he recognised the spot immediately. He put down his anchor and made his way on land, and up to the Cayley House, where the peat smoke rose gently into the night. Upon entering, he saw each man that had been there on the night of his disappearance, each in the same spot as before, and not a day older. Astonished at what he was seeing, he blurted out the whole tale that had taken him to Ireland, taking years from his life, 
yet given him the deepest love possible and three beautiful bairns. Well, the walnut-cracking-faced man explained, at least you've got a story to tell now. The folk in the Cayley house began laughing and cheering at the lad's tale, but the walnut man hushed him and said that magic had been out the night and that the lad had been under a spell. In disbelief, our lad ran out to see if his boat was still tethered, but there was nothing there. That's dreadful. What about his lovely Irish wife and her children? Was it all a spell? Alas, Annie, it was. It was rumoured that the walnut man was involved with evil magic and had been having some fun with the young outsider. This seems like a particularly cruel way to teach someone about a local custom, and it also does not seem to be in the spirit of Kaylee's. Yes, it's um, it's a little harsh. I will go, I'll agree with you there, it's a little harsh. But it does go to show just how seriously the rules of the Kaylee house were taken. No, 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 <laughs> no. There's a big difference between turning up to someone's house without a story and then getting swept away for years to start a magical family that's then seized away from you. I mean, the Kaylee crime does not fit the evil wizard punishment. (laughs) We heard a marvellous story of a Kaylee which itself became a story to tell at Kayleys. We got this from an oral history of Captain Dugald McCormick, recorded in 1953. Now, Dugald was born in 1877, so he was 76 when he was telling these stories. He remembered the heydays of the Kayleys. Dugald heard this story while fishing with his pal, Old Alistair who probably would have been born in the mid-1800s. Now, apparently, Old Alistair was one of the great village storytellers. Is it considered rude to call him Old Alistair? You know, like, you're a year or two older than me. Can I just start calling you Old Annie? Actually, yeah, I'm going to start calling you Old Annie. (laughs) So, this isn't rude, Jenny. And my youthful looks are not offended by this at all. (laughs) Because it's only rude if you see it as an insult to call someone old. And in Gaelic, being called old just means that you get extra respect in the tone of speaking to to that person. Okay. So please start speaking to me in in a formal and respectful tone, (laughs) young Jenny. (laughs) Now, (laughs) many generations of the same family could have the same name. So the same first name and the same surname. So it wouldn't be unusual in one family that you'd have an old Alistair, a young Alistair, a shepherd Alistair, a big and little Alistair, every kind of Alistair you can imagine. A perfectly symmetrical Jenny. Exactly. So let's delve into this ghostly Kaylee story. It began at the fishing. Between baiting lines and hoping for a big fat juicy trout, Alistair turned to Dugald and asked, do you believe in ghosts? Dougal didn't really know what he believed in, but old Alistair went on to explain that he wasn't a superstitious man, but in his life he had seen one true ghost. Old Alistair was a knowledgeable man. He had been on a ship as a lad and so had seen the world, and his word 
was to be trusted. It was the night of Akele in Fionnafort and Mull, and eight people attended. They came along to tell stories, to blether and to sing songs, and it would have been a normal Akele, but for one event that all eight attendees testified to be true. It was in the house of Donald McAllister, the son of a tailor. And outside the tailor's wee Cayley house, a blizzard was brewing something thick, with gusts and gales and snow. It was bitter and rough outside. The room was lit by a small fire and a little lantern above the door, where Donald's father, the tailor, normally did his sewing. All of a sudden the house was seized by a draught of wind so cold it couldn't be natural, and the small lantern went out immediately. The house was plunged into darkness and shadow. It felt as though both doors had been flung wide open, but they remained sealed. Out of the darkness a figure appeared. It was a man. His face was as white as the blizzard snow outside, and he was soaking wet. Water was streaming off every part of him, as though he had just been washed out of the rough sea itself. A woman at the Cayley spoke up after a few moments of shock, and calmly asked, Friend, will you not come in and show us your face? You are so wet, you must be freezing. But the drenched dripping of the man didn't look like rain or snow. Water was coming off him in something close to waves. He turned to Peggy, as though confused by her kindness. It had been a long time since he had seen another person, and her cheeks were so rosy and pink. Oh, said the mysterious stranger, there is no snow where I am. But if you go over to the white shore of the Isle of Erridge, you will find me there. The bandage that was on my thumb is just about three feet from my head. With this, the strange figure vanished. Right on the spot where he had been standing, there was not a drop of water left. It was bone dry. There was not a single trace of the deluge that had been coming from this man, and the mood that remained in the room was one of terror and fear, as they were all certain that they had just had a conversation with the spirit of a dead man walking. Two of the Cayley visitors fainted in a daze, and there was not a word of comfort that any of those people could give each other to release them from the clutches of dread. Eventually, late into the evening, the snow stopped and they all cautiously made their way home. The news of this visit spread round the village faster than a rain cloud. Everyone heard of the creepy, ghostly Cayley. And so, a couple of the men decided that it was a bit too serious just to take as rumour and since the weather had calmed, they would take a trip to the Isle of Erridge and have a look and see if there was any truth to the words that the spirit spoke. Erridge is a tidal island, so they went when the sea was at its lowest, ebbing away from the coast. Alas, on the exact spot described, on the peaceful white sandy beach of Erridge, 
they found a man's body. And only a few feet from his body, they found the bandage that the spirit had told them of. And so they sought help from the lighthouse keepers of the island to help them recover the body and take the dead man back to Fiona Fort. They sent a message around that the body had been found and eventually a man came and claimed it as his son. His son's name was John McPherson and he was the mate of a ship called Fairholm that had been wrecked in the seas around Tory Island in Ireland, with five of the crew drowning. The body had been seized by the sea and taken over a hundred miles in 19 days until it was washed up on the small island. The body was buried in Fiona Fort Cemetery and anyone who visits can still see the stone to this day. So, big parts of this story are true. All of it's true. Uh, <laughs> there's, I mean, there's a ghost at Akele. <laughs> but um, the Fairholm was a 250-ton steamer ship which left Glasgow for Limerick with a cargo of coals. And this ship found itself in thick fog and struck rocks and was wrecked within minutes in four fathoms of water. Now five out of the eleven crew died and amongst these casualties was John McPherson. Now John McPherson left a widow in Glasgow and we know he existed and that his body was found washed up on the Isle of Erridge. And to this day there still stands the gravestone that was erected by John McPherson's father in Fiona Fort. And the gravestone reads, Erected by D. McPherson, Appen, in memory of his beloved son, John, mate of the SS Fairholm, wrecked on Tory Island, 22nd of August, 1874. Aged 35 years, his body was washed ashore here, a distance of 200 miles, 19 days later. Wow, that gravestone really succinctly summarised that whole story. <laughs> I missed out the bit with his ghost, though. Yeah, but I feel like maybe, you know, there wasn't enough space on the gravestone for that bit. Do you think a ghost really did visit that Kaylee, Jenny? Why would old Alistair lie? Hmm? Maybe it was just, maybe, maybe it was just drunk, but... (laughs) 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 He he may have just had a, a few too many drams. But how how do you expect me to explain the unexplainable? You know, it's impossible. You know what I find really confusing about this story isn't that a ghost appeared at the Cayley. It's that this ghost only gives a very short speech and he chooses to tell the Cayley goers where to find his body, which is a sensible thing to do. You want your body to be buried properly so that your spirit is free. Mm -hmm. But then you also tell them about the bandage on your thumb. (laughs) 50-50, you know, he's halfway, you know, that's a fair amount. There's no tell my wife I love her, Ah. tell my dad I hope I made him proud. It's it's just, there's a bandage that was on my thumb and you'll find it a few feet from my head. Need to make sure they're finding the right ghosts. What if there was like nine other bodies washed up there and none of them had bandages and no one was quite sure which one was the ghost? It wouldn't make sense. I just feel like it's a plot hole. (laughs) 
a plot hole that can't be plugged with a thumb bandage. <laughs> Nowadays, the word Kaylee isn't so much associated with a good chinwag round at your pal's house and spectres haunting you in the night, but more with village halls and accordions and, of course, spinning wildly in circles on the edge of control. The modern Kaylee has its roots in the Gallic Kaylee house, but over time it has grown out of the evening social event that we've just discussed and into an equally sociable but much more dancey occasion. So at the Kayleys that you and I are familiar with, Jenny, the dances that we do are Scottish country dancing. Scottish country dancing is different from Highland dancing, if anyone's got their Highland fling in their head now. So Highland dancing is usually a solo dance, though they do have some reels, and the dancers bounce on the balls of their feet, and it's absolutely mesmerising to watch. And like I just said, the Highland Fling is a Scottish Highland dance and is a wonderful example of the stamina, strength and agility required by these dancers. And there's also sword dancing, which again is not Scottish country dancing, but an incredible physical feat that is amazing to watch. I will admit, I did go down a bit of a YouTube rabbit hole with this one um, and I mean I was mainly in it for the calves and I am this close to buying some swords to get bouncing over in my back garden. <laughs> What's stopping you Jenny? Uh, a deep fear of paper cuts. <laughs> um, anyone listening please hound Jenny on social media to take up sword dancing. <laughs> So sword dancing and the highland fling are both types of highland dancing, but there's no rock, paper or swords necessary for <laughs> Kaylee dancing that takes place nowadays. So the most common Kaylee dances are those done in pairs or in little groups. Many of the dances are progressive, which means you have a lead dancer and a follower and the follower moves on after the step routine has been completed and then continues to complete it with the next lead dancer along, so on and so on. So you get to dance with absolutely everyone in the room, which I think is absolutely marvellous, especially if you start off dancing with someone you don't really like. Oh, it's just, it's such fun thinking about it, Jenny. I can't wait until we can go to a big sweaty Kaylee again. I know, I know. What's your favourite Kaylee dance, Annie? This is a tough one. I absolutely adore the Gay Gardens. Mm. And especially because Gay Gardens was once a crossword puzzle answer and I managed to get it. Um, and I was, I was <laughs> proud. It was a really hard crossword. Um, That's such but an Annie answer. It's not about the dance. It's about the fact that I got a crossword puzzle correct about it. <laughs> seven years ago <laughs> yeah it would have been about seven years ago <laughs> but one of my all-time favorite Kaylee dances is the Cumberland Square 8 or as I like to call it helicopter legs <laughs> um because you can get lifted up and twirled around and along with the person opposite you who's also getting lifted up your legs swing like a helicopter blade going round and round and it's it's I mean it's it's a dangerous dance. It's one of those ones that you 
Maybe, maybe old Annie's too old for it nowadays. I think it's one of those ones where you want to wear your shin guards to the Kaylee. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. What's your favorite Kaylee dance, Jenny? Ooh, it's got to be the dashing white sergeant or strip the willow. I love the big group ones, and I also love when there's loads and loads of spinning and twirling. And it's funny because my first experience of Kaylee dancing was actually social dancing in school. Yes, the evolution of the Kaylee. It moved out of the Kaylee houses and into the Kaylee hall and then into all of our school gym halls. (laughs) If you went to school in Scotland, you will know what we're talking about. In America, they have like a yearly disco, but in Scotland, we have yearly dances. And at these dances, we wouldn't disco dance, but Kaylee dance. So for a few weeks before the dance each year, instead of PE or gym class, we'd have social dancing. And at first, we would all sort of dread it and be shy and nervous. All the lads would be on one side of the cold gym hall and all the lassies on the other side. And we'd be told to go and find ourselves a partner. And you had better find a partner fast or you'd be paired up with one of the embarrassingly enthusiastic PE teachers. And that was just social dancing suicide. But once the initial teenage awkwardness was over with, it was so much fun. All the young boys would be showing off their strength by spinning the girls round as hard as they could and then we'd just be shocking them by giving the exact same back until the whole hall was properly flying. Everyone always missed social dancing once we went back to regular gym classes. Surely you only get one PE teacher at a time, Jenny. Wait, so it would be the whole year? So there'd be like a hundred of us and then there'd be like maybe two or three PE teachers, I think? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Private school. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, there was an uneven number of boys and girls in my class at school. So there'd be some of the boys would just take on the roles of the dancer following, which I think is traditionally the role that the woman plays in the dance. But it, it reminds me of Strictly Come Dancing this year where there's two men dancing together. And it's like, we were doing this in the school hall for years. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, I feel there's very, although it would usually be the man being the lead and the woman the follower. If you go to any Kaylee nowadays, an eye is not batted if there's a same-sex couple dancing around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's great. Yes, I think that a good Kaylee dancer should be able to dance in either position because you never know what the makeup of the occasion is going to be. And I, I absolutely adored Kaylee dancing in school because it wasn't like football or basketball it wasn't competitive and it felt like everyone could be included and it just had a different spirit to the rest of PE absolutely and now that I think about it actually and I I have talked about this before on some episodes but I grew up in the central belt where Highland culture is is pretty distant and unknown And actually learning these dances at our school and going to the Kayleys, this was the first and really only connection I had to the Highlands growing up. So I'm really, really glad that it's a thing, despite how awkward and teenage it can feel. I'm so glad that we're taught them and that they're still taught in schools all over Scotland. And I grew out in my teenage angst. And I absolutely love Kaylee dancing and Kayleys nowadays. I think the form of Kaylee dancing that we do nowadays is actually quite an international affair. I think the dances that we're doing were inspired by country dancing across the globe. Cool, it's a big melting pot of fun dances. Mm-hmm.
Annie, I think one day in the distant future when we are big and successful enough and we are touring the world with our Stories of Scotland live show, which is my dream, uh, we should do a live show and then hold a Cayley afterwards for all the people who have come along because there is nothing like a good old Cayley with a full band and a drab or two after some storytelling. It sounds like a great idea, Jenny, but I know that you've just put it in the episode to commit me to it now in front of everyone listening so that I can't back out of this later on. Well, you just got everyone to hound me on social media, so I take up sword dancing. So if I agree to take up sword dancing, will you agree to go on tour and hold the Kaylee afterwards with me? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well... But thank you all so much for joining us on this dance through the history of the Cayley. If you've enjoyed having a tale or two whispered in your ears by Annie and I, then please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon is a platform that helps independent creators like us keep on creating. For the price of two kilograms of turnips a month. That's a lot of turnips, Jenny. It is, it's a lot of turnips. And for the price of that, on our Patreon, instead of turnips, you can get more Stories of Scotland content. Yay! We recently sent out the shiny sticker packs to our patrons, so be on the lookout for them in the next few days. Um, we didn't include any turnips with the stickers <laughs> just because they're too heavy to send in the mail. We, we can't <laughs> afford that. Um, but you never know. Maybe the next Patreon pack will be two kilograms of my finest neeps. You've certainly got enough of them in that massive turnip patch of yours, Annie. How's how's your turnip patch coming along, Jenny? I don't want to talk about it. Have you got big neeps or little neeps, Jenny? They're not they're not little. They're just they're mature individuals who just happen to be slightly immature. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, oh, Jenny, you can call me old Annie and I'll call you baby neep Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) But let's give a massive welcome to our new patrons on Patreon, who I like to imagine are all dancing together right now, doing the dashing white sergeant, possibly towards some kind of scary fairy hill let's put them back in Shehalian. um but it's okay because they're all going to have a lovely kaylee and then get out safe and sound so thank you to renee maggie blair jess ian dave and carrie thank you all so much for supporting us you absolutely wonderful people there are lots of other great ways you can also support us too we're on all social medias, including TikTok, which Annie has been having fun posting videos of her shriveled neeps from two years ago on. Go check those little terrors out. Um, but give us a like and a share and a follow and a retweet, etc, etc, etc. You can also subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and review us. We absolutely love reading your reviews and we do read all of them. And there are some lovely long messages Some of them are incredibly poetic. Apparently, Jenny, our podcast sings to people's hearts. Um, We are smart, funny, and enlightening. Consistently, consistently knocking off socks with our wit, which I adore. 
And then there was a very simple one recently that simply said, five stars, geniuses. Woo! I mean, my neeps may disagree with me, but I will take geniuses for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I think if you add up our IQs, we're almost at that genius level. (laughs) But otherwise, we're just two people who put so much time into researching this podcast to make it as clever as we possibly can yeah this was another one where we're like we'll just make it a quick 20 minutes we'll just make it a quick 20 minute episode and it'll be out in a week and i think it's going to be like 40 minutes so that's what our research does it gives you a way 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 longer show (laughs) as we said at the beginning of this episode this is the last of our highland series for a wee while but don't worry we'll be going back to the highlands soon however I am so excited to be delving down to the borders for our next stretch of episodes. We have some absolutely incredible episodes coming up and we've got some special Halloween content and maybe even a very special guest appearance. So... Or now. Is it the ghost? Is it the ghost from the Kaylee house? <laughs> Coming to defend his name. <laughs> no, John is John is peacefully resting now, Jenny. For <laughs> now, dear ghosts and listeners, Slangeva. Slangeva. It's a bit ironic saying, you know, cheers to your health to a ghost, isn't it? <laughs> well, to be fair. It's not going to get any worse for them, is it? 